0: Hello everybody and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 168. Today's big Bible question, how does God's merciful love endure forever in the face of sin and rebellion? Hello friends, happy Lord's Day to you. As always on Sundays, I'd love to invite you to join us on Facebook Live today at 11am Pacific for our church gathering Just go to our Facebook page, VBC Salinas, that's uh, the letters VBC, Victor Bravo Charlie, it stands for Valley Baptist Church, VBC Salinas. On Facebook, we start at 11 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Pacific. Join in, leave us a comment so I can know you're there. The message today is going to be all about the call of Jesus in Revelation to overcome and how we shouldn't long to return to the normal we had pre-pandemic. Well, I hope to see you there. Today's Bible readings include Deuteronomy 19, Psalms 106, Isaiah 46, and Revelation chapter 16. Now, we are entering into the parts of Revelation that I, just speaking frankly, have a lower confidence in my ability to understand them, and thus, for the second straight day, we are in the Psalms for our focus passage Psalms 106 is a pretty fascinating passage, and it begins and ends with this incredible burst of praise to God. So, verse 1 says, Hallelujah, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Let's go ahead and read the whole Psalm. Psalm 106, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Hallelujah, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Who can declare the Lord's mighty acts or proclaim all the praise due him? How happy are those who uphold justice, who practice righteousness at all times. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to me with your salvation so that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones. Rejoice in the joy of your nation and boast about your heritage. Both we and our ancestors have sinned. We have done wrong and have acted wickedly. Our ancestors in Egypt did not grasp the significance of your wondrous works or remember your many acts of faithful love. Instead, they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the power of the adversary. He redeemed them from the power of the enemy. Water covered their foes, not one of them remained. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. They soon forgot his works and would not wait for his counsel. They were seized with craving in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. He gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp they were envious of Moses and of Aaron, the Lord's holy one. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It covered the assembly of Abiram. Fire blazed throughout their assembly. Flames consumed the wicked." At Horeb they made a calf and worshipped the cast metal image. They exchanged their glory for the image of a grass-eating ox. They forgot God their Savior, who did great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awe-inspiring acts at the Red Sea. So he said he would have destroyed them if Moses, his chosen one, had not stood before him in the breach to turn his wrath away from destroying them. They despised the pleasant land and did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not listen to the Lord, so he raised his hand against them with an oath that he would make them fall in the desert and would disperse their descendants among the nations, scattering them throughout the lands. They aligned themselves with Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They angered the Lord with their deeds and a plague broke out against them, but Phinehas stood up and intervened and the plague was stopped. It was credited to him as righteousness throughout all generations to come. They angered the Lord at the waters of Meribah, and Moses suffered because of them, for they embittered his spirit, and he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but mingled with the nations and adopted their ways. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. So the land became polluted with blood. They defiled themselves by their actions and prostituted themselves by their deeds. Therefore the Lord's anger burned against his people, and he abhorred his own inheritance. He handed them over to the nations. Those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were subdued under their power. He rescued them many times, but they continued to rebel deliberately, and were beaten down by their iniquity. When he heard their cry, he took note of their distress, remembered his covenant with them, and relented according to the abundance of his faithful love. He caused them to be pitied before all their captors. Save us, Lord our God. Gather us from the nation, so that we may give thanks to your holy name and rejoice in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Hallelujah. So the psalm ends and begins in a great way, but the meat of the psalm, almost the entirety of it, is honestly about how Israel has betrayed God over and over again, repeatedly ignoring his commands, sinning against him, and turning away to follow other gods. The many punishments and judgments of God are also recounted and remembered in this psalm, as well as his mercy when they return to him. And the passage begins and ends in exulting in that mercy. So how can God be merciful when he obviously punishes sin? How can, quote, his faithful love endure forever, given that his people continually provoke him? Well, let's tag in John Piper to help us think through some of these questions about the justice of God, the judgments of God, the mercy of God, and His faithfulness. Psalm 106 begins and ends with the identical phrase, praise the Lord. That's where the psalmist wants us to begin and end. What is here in this psalm, with all its sin and sorrow and pain, is a reason to praise God. And that means not just say great things about God, but believe and feel that He is praiseworthy. He is great, Glorious, wonderful, more valuable than anything else, more to be desired than anything else. This is what it means to praise God, to think and feel and say and sing those things about him. That's the goal of the psalm. Under this praise is a thankful heart. At the beginning and the end, verse 1 says, O give thanks to the Lord, and verse 47, that we may give thanks to your holy name. The reason given for why this praise and this thanks are so fitting is in verse 1, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. So the psalmist wants us to see God as praiseworthy and good and loving as we read this psalm, including all his judgments. And as we will look back on all of the verses in this passage, we see it is a long litany of Israel's rebellion and failures. For instance, verse seven, they rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Verse 14, they had a wanton craving in the wilderness. Verse 16, they were jealous of Moses and Aaron. Verse 19, they made a calf at Horeb and worshipped a metal image. Verse 24, they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in the promise. Verse 28, they yoked themselves to the bale of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. Verse 32, they angered God at the waters of Meribah. Verse 34, They did not destroy the peoples, but mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. Verse 36, they served their idols. Verse 37, they sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They killed their children. Rebellion, craving, jealousy, idolatry, despising God's gifts, unbelief, necromancy, murmuring, assimilation among the nations, serving their gods, sacrificing their children, The list could have gone on why did he stop here asks piper perhaps because most human beings would feel that this was the bottom of the downward spiral of the dethroning of god and the dehumanizing of man they killed their children and here piper notes that in addition to there being a thread throughout this psalm that points out the abundant sins of the israelites including child murder there is also another thread running through the passage that, that focuses on divine mercy. Remember verse one, says Piper. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Steadfast love. That's the point. And that is what we need. Listen to God's mercy, God's steadfast love in this psalm. Verse eight. They rebelled, yet he saved them for his name's sake that he might make known his mighty power. Verse 10. He saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. Verse 23, therefore he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach to turn away his wrath from destroying them. He relented at Moses' prayer. Verse 30, as the plague was spreading, Phineas stood up and intervened and the plague was stayed. God responded in mercy to Phinehas's zeal for the Lord. Verses 43-46, through 46, many times he delivered them. But they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. In other words, time and time again, the people deserved to be utterly destroyed, but God passed over the sin of many, even including the sin of child sacrifice. He had mercy. He kept covenant. How can he do that? How can he do it for you? As Paul looked back over God's mercy for centuries, he gave the answer in Romans 3.25. God put Jesus forward as a propitiation or payment by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. The reason God could forgive repentant sinners in the Old Testament, and the reason he can forgive us today for child murder or for indifference to child murder, is that the death of Jesus, the Son of God for sin, shows that God does not sweep sin under the rug or take it lightly. Forgiving sin cost the life of his Son. That was their hope looking forward, and that is our lo- hope looking back at the cross by faith We receive Christ as the payment for all of our sins. So praise God for his mercy. His steadfast love indeed endures forever. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. When the Lord your God annihilates the nations whose land he is giving you so that you drive them out and live in the cities and houses, you are to set apart three cities for yourselves within the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You are to determine the distances and divide the land that the Lord your God is granting you as an inheritance into three regions so that anyone who commits manslaughter can flee to these cities. Here is the law concerning a case of someone who kills a person and flees there to save his life, having killed his neighbor accidentally without previously hating him. For if, for example... He goes into the forest with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings the axe to chop down a tree, but the blade flies off the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, that person may flee to one of these cities and live. Otherwise, the avenger of blood in the heat of his anger might pursue the one who committed manslaughter, overtake him, because the distance is great, and strike him dead. Yet he did not deserve to die, since he did not previously hate his neighbor." This is why I am commanding you to set apart three cities for yourselves. If the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your ancestors and gives you all the land he promised to give them, provided you keep every one of these commands I am giving you today and follow them, loving the Lord your God and walking in his ways at all times, you are to add three more cities to these three. In this way, innocent blood will not be shed and you will not become guilty of bloodshed in the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. But if someone hates his neighbor, lies in ambush for him, attacks him, and strikes him fatally, and flees to one of these cities, the elders of his city are to send for him, take him from there, and hand him over to the avenger of blood, and he will die. Do not look on him with pity, but purge from Israel the guilt of shedding innocent blood, and you will prosper. Do not move your neighbor's boundary marker established at the start of the inheritance you will receive in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. One witness cannot establish any iniquity or sin against a person, whatever that person has done. A fact must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness testifies against someone accusing him of a crime, the two people in the dispute are to stand in the presence of the Lord before the priest and judges in authority at that time. The judges are to make a careful investigation, and if the witness turns out to be a liar who has falsely accused his brother, you must do to him as he intended to do to his brother. You must purge the evil from you. Then everyone else will hear and be afraid, and they will never again do anything evil like this among you. Do not show pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for, th- for tooth, hand for hand and foot for foot. Isaiah chapter 46. Bel crouches, Nebo cowers. Idols depicting them are consigned to beasts and cattle. The images you carry are loaded as a burden for the weary animal. The gods cower, they crouch together. They are not able to rescue the burden, but they themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, house of Jacob. All the remnant of the house of Israel who have been sustained from the womb, carried along since birth, I will be the same until your old age, and I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will bear you and rescue you. To whom will you compare me or make me equal? Who will you measure me with, so that we should be like each other? Those who pour out their bags of gold and weigh out silver on scales, they hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god. Then they kneel and bow down to it. They lift it to their shoulder and bear it along. They set it in its place, and there it stands. It does not budge from its place. They cry out to it, but it doesn't answer. It saves no one from trouble. Remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, My plan will take place, and I will do all my will. I call a bird of prey from the east, a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken, so I will also bring it about. I have planned it, I will also do it. Listen to me, you hard-hearted, far removed from justice. I am bringing my justice near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not delay.' I will put my salvation in Zion, my splendor in Israel. Revelation chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first went and poured out his bowl on the earth and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped its image. The second poured out his bowl into the sea and it turned to blood like that of a dead person and all life in the sea died. The third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. I heard the angel of the water say, "'You are just, the Holy One who is and who was, "'because you passed judgment on these things, "'because they poured out the blood of the saints "'and the prophets, you have given them blood to drink. "'They deserve it.' "'And I heard the altar say, "'Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, "'true and just are your judgments.' The fourth poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire, and people were scorched by the intense heat. So they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. The fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they did not repent of their works." The sixth poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming up from the dragon's mouth, from the beast's mouth, and from the mouth of the false prophet, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of God, the Almighty. Look. I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who is alert and remains clothed so that he may not go around naked and people see his shame. So they assembled the kings at the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Then the seventh poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder and a severe earthquake occurred like no other since people have been on earth. So great was the quake. The great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger. Every island fled and the mountains disappeared. Enormous hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell from the sky on people. And they blasphemed God for the plague of hail because that plague was extremely severe. Well, well, that's not an easy thing to read. Lord, spare us from your wrath and protect us. Let us have the seal of God on us. Friends, I hope it is a good Lord's Day for you. May you worship him wholeheartedly and give to him all the glory due his name. Good day to you and God speak.